James. Raph. Have you ever been made redundant? No. I've actually never gone through that in my life. And you know, the key is, and I would, I would beseech all of our listeners to take my strategy, mm-hmm. make yourself indispensable. Learn to code is my suggestion. I'll learn to code, yeah. In any organization you're part of, that can be a business, that can be- Footy club. Footy club, group chat, any organization that you're in. Make yourself indispensable. Mm. So the thought of removing you from the organization, they're going to think that you're, you're load-bearing. Mm. You can't be taken out of, out of business or the whole thing goes to ground. That's kind of the strategy I would pursue. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously paid huge dividends for me because I've never been made redundant. What about yourself? No, no, never been made redundant myself. I've been through some restructures that have led to like large percentages of the organization being made redundant. Uh-huh. But um, not you. Not me, no. Well, there you go. We're the best people to be tackling today's episode. Yeah. As I said, my advice to... What, what's the tally? We're up to about 200,000 people from um, various large tech companies. Yep. They need to learn to code. <laughs> exactly. Well, obviously, that doesn't save you anymore. I and mean, it's not... Like, disclaimer... People losing their jobs is not funny. No. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say that in such a strident way. It is actually not funny. No, it's not funny. And obviously, if you have lost your job and stuff, that that is shitty. You're at the whims of an employer. Uh-huh. But that's what we're talking about today. Tech freakout. Tech layoffs. Layoffs. Vibe shift. Huge vibe shift. Well, the vibe shift has led to I mean, real world consequences, right? People throw around the term vibe as if it doesn't mean anything. Well, here you have it, folks. Vibes are paramount. In everything. Yeah. And this just underscores that. But like, run the numbers. Hit me with the numbers. So numbers-wise, the most recent company to announce was Google, who are cutting roughly 12,000 jobs. That followed Microsoft, who a week ago said they were laying off 10,000 people, which is about 5% of their workforce. Earlier this year, this month, Amazon said uh, they were going to eliminate about 18,000 roles. And and Meta was knocking off about 18,000, mm. which they announced back in November. That was kind of, at the time, that was sort of like the first one to announce a big retrenchment. Obviously, everyone was like, well, the metaverse isn't working so well for you, is it? Yeah. It turned out to be a little bit more systemic than that. Uh, and then there's been stuff all over. If you literally go to layoffs.fyi, the website, it's being run by some, I guess, hobbyist who is tracking this stuff. It shows you every company that has announced layoffs. And there, there are ones that kind of get lost in the headlines because they're not laying off tens of thousands of people like the big tech companies. Coinbase, I mean, again, this is crypto, so it's got its own little issues that it's dealing with. But um, Coinbase is laying off about a thousand people. And as a percentage of its workforce, that's pretty substantial. And yeah, there's a lot of companies in Silicon Valley and beyond the tech world are laying people off. Like Salesforce was like 9,000. Yeah, Salesforce, 9,000 people. Yeah, and then smaller ones, Hootsuite and the like, are laying off. It's this systemic. Is the, this is the consequence of us saying Salesforce was boring in a subscriber-only podcast. The investors got wind of that, smelled blood in the water, gone. The interesting thing about this situation is, you know, you, know, you, you might look at a company like Google. They had a net profit of $13 billion yep. last quarter. We're talking quarterly profit here, not annual. Mm. They did miss guidance, like earnings per share. But then, you know, Microsoft, net profit last quarter, $17 billion. So, and even in the case of Amazon, they actually like exceeded earnings. 
Yeah. We're not talking about companies who have no money. On Struggle Street. It is all to do with, as mentioned, the vibe shift, right? There basically is a demand from investors. Right now, you need to maximize profits at all costs, make those profits bigger. Everyone's cutting staff. Why aren't you? Which is a consequence of the massive hiring spree, which happened during the COVID boom times. Yeah. A big thing that is feeding this as well is that the argument they were making in their announcements for this is that, you know, they are sort of stealing themselves for a coming recession, basically. Mm. They're making the needful cuts now because when the global economy goes under, they're not going to want to be caught with their pants down or whatever. And they literally are saying, mea culpa, we hired too aggressively during COVID. Exactly. The undergirding sort of argument they're making is that they were way too aggressive in, in hiring people well, over the past couple of years in general. And now the, the chickens have come home to roost and they've got to resolve that problem. There's a few things to unpack there, right? Because firstly, let's start with the boom. Why were they overstaffed? And to be fair, I think there probably is an argument that some of these companies were overstaffed. I think it does hold up as an argument. Like every tech company, basically, definitely all the big tech ones, a lot of startups, you know, a lot of money flying around during COVID, a lot of changing habits. Everyone upstaffed massively. You know, sometimes this was like a 10, 15, 20% increase on their workforce mm. over the course of a couple of years. So, I, you know, I get the argument that they overstaffed. Money was so free and valuations in the public markets, we're talking about public companies for the most part here, yep. but valuations in the public markets were Rocketing. so high, yep. they basically had the liquidity to be able to hire more and pursue various research and development, like speculative ideas ideas and speculative parts of the business, staff those projects up, even if they were kind of moonshots. And also with the added pressure of if all your competitors are hiring, you need to be hiring too, because you don't want to be left behind. Yep. And there was also this, I'm going to put it out there, COVID, crazy time. Crazy time in all of our lives. It was crazy you know? time. Well, as we've discussed previously, everyone lost their mind. Everyone, everyone went nuts. Not me though. I kept a, a steady head throughout. And, so, and same with you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I think we'll maybe two of the only guys, certainly in Australia- that were normal. Yeah, we were just sitting there being normal. We're just being, <laughs> and I've sort of continued that habit to now. I'm being normal right now. Likewise. Yeah. <laughs> but tech valuations obviously started rocketing up really, really early in COVID. And a lot of it, initially it was very speculative because it was kind of like, oh my God, we're never going to go outside again. Yeah. Zoom is going to be the biggest company in the world. Remember like that, there was like a real strain of, I don't want to say like fear mongering, but it was sort of like this vibe. It was like, oh my God, this is like the killing blow. Yeah. This is what is going to change it so that Amazon owns every facet of our lives. Yeah. You know, Facebook is going to capture every like scintilla of our attention. Yeah. Commercial real estate is doomed. It is over. All of those buildings are going to lay waste in the CBD. Yeah, exactly. It's work from home forever and we're just going to be glued to a screen until our appointed Google officer comes and euthanizes us <laughs> at the age of 65. We're, I'm exaggerating. But well, from an ideological perspective, some would say that maybe you know we all pray for the Armageddon because we're trapped by the systems of capitalism, and so it was actually a, a longing for finally some kind of destructive force to come and free us. For sure, I mean, you maybe as I as I sort of lined out before, I'm actually normal, so I wasn't thinking about that. Um, no, I'm saying that's all the weirdo subconscious. Oh, of course, of course, and obviously, you know. COVID was a hugely disruptive event that still has changed a lot of habits, mm. whatever, but it wasn't quite as... Humanity has reverted to the mean more than expected, I think. Yeah. And of course, investors and like retail investors and like institutional investors or whatever pumped a lot of money into these companies thinking that they were going to be, you know, the new kings of the wasteland, the Mad Max wasteland. And there was sort of a coming down to reality, which is why over the past six months or so, as the markets have sort of gone back down, it's tech stocks that have kind of felt the pain the most because they were the ones who felt the upside of it 
more than anyone else. They drove yeah. the game. Investors were betting on growth. Yeah. A stock's valuation, well, I mean, traditionally is zoom out 10 years, what's this company going to be like in 10 years? And you discount back the discounted cash flow. Like what, how much profit is this company going to make over 10 years minus what you could make by parking it in a savings account effectively? And everyone said in 10 years time, these companies are going to be huge, are going to be like enormous. I say everyone said that. I guess someone with basic investment knowledge would say that. Then speculative mania doesn't even think about that, right? They just think like, wow, Zoom I use a lot now. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I'm going to put money in Zoom yeah. um, with my extra kind of COVID dollars and the money I'm not spending on sports betting. Zoom was a great sort of symbol of that in that it suddenly became probably the most forefront of everyone's mind in terms of apps. Yeah. So its price absolutely rocketed after being a completely you know, boring company for a few years that like had some success on a corporate level, but wasn't- it wasn't huge. a household name. And, but, you know, people were investing and pumping it to the extent they thought that like, you know, we're all going to live in Zoom pods for the rest of our terrestrial lives. Yeah. Didn't really happen. And now, you know, what is Zoom actually doing as a company? They're getting smoked by Microsoft Teams. Yeah. Not really doing anything. Anyway, so this is all to say that there was a bit of mania. A lot of companies expanded and Amazon had to expand to meet- the increased demand of people for e-commerce stuff. Yeah. There were kind of legitimate reasons to hire up. And like places like Google and Amazon for that matter as well, it's like, oh, well, every e-commerce brand and every kind of bricks and mortar place is going to need to move to the cloud and every distributed workforce for that matter is going to need to move to the cloud. So we need to invest in our cloud infrastructure, blah, 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 blah. And this is just going to continue in, you know, an exponential line on a chart. So staff up for the future. And we've got the capital right now yep. and investors are happy to keep pumping up the stock price. Why wouldn't we? Yep. No, totally. On this point, it'll be interesting to see. As I said, it, tech is taking a haircut before like any other part of... Obviously, we're talking mostly about the US economy because these are US companies mm. uh, and it is the heart of empire. I know we've been criticised for not talking about Australian companies. Atlassian has not had any cuts yet, although all contractors are gone. There you go. There's your Australian dimension. Yeah. Contractors gone, but no actual staff members cut. Yeah. But we'll see. I'll, I'll keep everyone informed about the Australian heads. <laughs> Yeah, the very small portion of our audience, 80%. <laughs> so, I don't know, it'd be interesting to see because no economist seems to know what is actually going to happen in terms of like recession or what's going to happen with the US economy over the next little while. Mm. Obviously, we're in kind of uncharted territory in the sense that like it doesn't really look like a recession. No. The employment rate is incredibly low. Economy is very productive. People are spending, blah, blah, blah. But um, the boffins. Well, not even the boffins, actually. The boffins are kind of the ones who are saying like... Mm, maybe it'll be okay. Yeah, uh, maybe it'll be a landing. soft landing. You will see the most doom and gloom about the US economy on like tech Twitter. Yeah. When you read like VCs and CEOs or whatever talking about like the coming collapse of the US economy. And I'm just going to flag. Maybe it's true. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I'm not going to take a strong view on this. Because no. I don't want to be wrong. No. Lest I be wrong. But they're the ones. they're the ones who are the most like freaking out about it. Is this not a symptom of the fact that well, A, people conflate the stock market with the economy to a certain extent. Yep. And the fact of the matter is, if you've had a haircut on your share price by 30 40% and your major investors and activist investors are saying cut 15% of staff, um, yep. and as a CEO, you have to turn the stock price around, yep. you just acquiesce to these demands and you need an excuse. So you say like, we're shoring it up for the oncoming recession and uh, mea culpa, we overhired yep. and this will allow us to be more lean and focus on the growth areas and blah, 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 blah. You need an excuse for firing because at the end of the day, wh why are you doing this when you're making lots of profit? Yeah, totally. And one of the other, I think this gets over over indexed a lot. It's definitely not the driving factor here. 
but you know it is in the forefront of people's minds is that the twitter layoffs we talked about this in the episode with mike isaac a couple of weeks ago obviously twitter had a massive retrenchment we didn't even mention twitter mm. when we were talking, going it's through a little this. different it's, it's a little bit different because twitter has its own sort of issues and Elon Musk is particularly sort of mercurial in the way that he executes it. But they've eliminated like 75% of staff or mm. some absurd figure. And there was a lot of commentary floating around the tech press and among like CEOs where it's like, oh. You can you, do this. You can actually cut almost everyone and the site will still work. Big asterisk within reason. Yes. It kind of works and it has lots of issues. But the core product is still there. They may be a little bit chastened by the fact that Twitter's revenue is down 40% from the same time last year because mm. I don't really have any salespeople to sell ads or anything like that. Mm. But it definitely made them think like, oh, look, our core product can function. We're not going to cut as deep as they did, but it shows that you can sort of cut almost down to the bone and have things. As well as, again, investors saying, look at that. Yeah, look what um, the God King Elon did over there. Like, do you really need your 50,000 staff? Well, Amazon has employees 950,000 people in America. Sure, they actually- send goods and a lot, like, a lot of them are actually doing like you know warehouse work and stuff but like not emails or code i suppose <laughs> yeah totally it was like a thing on twitter over the past week or whatever people talking about how all those tiktoks were with like a day in the life of a yeah well that's again low interest rate culture right yeah it was like a day for people who haven't seen it there was like a whole trend on like tiktok where it was like a day in the life of a meta product manager yeah. or a day in the life of like a software developer at coinbase or whatever maybe not coinbase i don't think they have a particularly thrilling work culture they all followed the same format it was like someone being like, first I picked up my coffee at the coffee stand in the, in the bottom floor of our building. And then I did this, this, and it's just about like them living a truly wonderful life as like a product manager at a big tech company. Yeah, at age 25 on 350K a year or whatever. Yeah, totally. And everyone was like, well, this was like the top before the you know reality came crashing down. As I said, there are some symptoms of perhaps overhiring when, yeah, you can walk out of university into a job like that as a product manager where you're effectively just reviewing customer suggestions for features and then putting them into a Jira Kanban and earning 350K a year. That and then seeing DocuSign has something like 9,000 employees. Yeah, does sometimes make you think that, but you, again, you kind of had to. If you were the only company not hiring aggressively, that shows that you're not growing aggressively, which yeah, we, shows that you're being beaten by your competitors, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah, it was, and you know, this probably speaks to a, a deep sickness at the heart of our economic system, but you had to be showing evidence that you were growing. Yeah, and also that talent's going somewhere else. You've got to get the talent, even if they are working on some bullshit that's never going to come out and doing nothing. You don't want that talent at a competitor. Yeah, no, exactly. What if Google hired them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the, uh, you, on the Silicon Valley the show, there's like the people that get paid to sit on the roof of the, the building of the tech company and like drink beers, basically, because the thought of like them being sacked or whatever looks terrible for the company and they have... It's, it, it's sort of real to a certain extent, but at the same time, it's fed into this like broader like bearish signal about the whole tech industry, right? That the whole thing is bursting apart at the seams and like the gravy train can't roll on for a lot of these companies. Mm. I mean, I think the gravy train will continue it yeah, somewhere like Microsoft, which as I said, made $17 billion of profit last quarter. Yep. But what it means for the companies that aren't making that much profit, they're going to probably have a tougher time. That said, you know, there's 200,000 product managers out there that you could... I'm sure there's some very... And, you know, the Google story is actually in some ways more brutal. I know that like Twitter was brutal, but we knew a loony was doing it, right? We knew that there was just arbitrary people were just getting cut. Google, you know, some engineers who'd been there 
15 years. Well, yeah, there was, like was like 20-year employees who got fired via email. Well, and not, and not even. Like, they learnt by trying to log into their accounts. I think the deal with all that, I mean, you'd think that someone of, like, 20 years or something, you'd give maybe a little bit more respect to. Yeah, give them a plaque. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the way out the door. Gold watch, right? But I guess there's the security risk. I worked for an organisation where if someone was let go, they'd go in the room with someone from HR and their manager and be told they'd be let go and a security guard would be waiting outside the room and escort them to their desk and yep. make them clean up and then escort them out like on the spot. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's not super uncommon, but it's still, especially I think it also grates because a lot of these companies, their whole thing and certainly over the past few years has been like we are the best places in the world yeah. to work. I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. It's fucked to wake up in the morning oh, and then try and sure. log in and they're like, oh, like yeah, I can't yeah. log in. Oh, I've been fired. Uh, and the perks are, are absurd and like gets riffed on a lot with the Google you know, don't be evil mantra or whatever, which they took out of their code of practice years ago at this point. Because one of the things that people try to figure out is like what departments are actually losing people yeah. within these companies. Is it the product managers and like the marketing people and the sales teams or is it core engineering talent or, you know, whatever approximates core? And it seems like a lot of these long-term Google employees were actually engineers who have been there i know the google took it seems to have taken a lot of cut on a lot of their like moonshot sort of mm. projects the ones where it's like blue sky we're building something that might be a 20 billion dollar business in 15 years kind of thing as yeah. opposed to the core operation stuff but then again from a business perspective if someone's been at google for 20 years they're probably on a pretty penny and they're i mean there's two things you can do here like a restructure is a time even though they, they might be called redundancies you can move people around they're firing you can probably rehire people who have five years of experience to do the same role as someone who's been there for 20 years and pay them half you know yeah. less so like part of that would just be every manager is told we have to reduce staff by seven percent how are you doing it and in some ways it's probably easier to just cut one guy rather than three but i am intrigued on exactly where all this stuff. Because you'd think it would be that, like all the speculative mania. You'd think that at Meta, they would do it, cut a lot of the Metaverse stuff, but they actually doubled down and it's like, that's not really being touched. God knows who at Meta. Because they cut like a fair few people. Yeah, no, like 18,000 people or whatever. Yeah. Which is especially, I think, a big deal for a company like Meta. Because, you know, Google has been around for a long time. Microsoft's been around for a very long time and has its peaks and troughs. And we've seen Microsoft peak and then fall and come up and get and down, mm. whatever. But, you know, Facebook has just been a never-ending accelerating juggernaut mm. since it was founded in, what, what was it, 2005 or around then? I can't remember. It's been growing, 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 growing. No major rounds of layoffs in the past. Yeah. They're just getting bigger and bigger. We've talked on ad infinitum on this podcast about all the different issues and problems that Meta has in trying to, like continue with growth trajectory but this is like its first major cut essentially where yeah. they've had to go back they've had like some shitty earnings things they're running into yeah and growth slowing obviously especially on the core product the blue app yeah exactly but as we, we talked about in the episode with mike isaac the other week maybe they'll be fine everyone will get into the metaverse and jack in and we'll be they'll be laughing but it's the first time the shoe's kind of been on the other foot for them yeah well as a mature business but you're right it's worth splitting out the metas from uh, and I think like Amazon have some problems themselves. Again, we've spoken about it, like Alexa costing a lot of money, not turning into the world-dominating product that they hoped it would and, and the problems with voice. Um, I think the growth of AWS is obviously a money-making machine for them, but you know the growth has slowed. E-commerce is not profitable, never kind of has been. Logistics is fucking expensive and not profitable. Yeah. So they've got a couple of like, minor issues there at Amazon, but they're still a massive company that's going to be fine. But then like Microsoft is fine. Like Microsoft yeah. is in a great place. Yeah, and, and, and Google, less so than Microsoft. And you know you could say that there's... Well, this is something we could touch on. What I was going to say before we go to Google is it feels like 
basically an excuse and a bit of shareholder pressure for other companies, which I would split off from like the Facebook and the Twitters of the world. With Twitters, it's an edge case. Facebook, it's a turning point, definitely. Microsoft, they've been making fantastic acquisitions. They're printing money, everything they do. They've been highly aggressive and strategically, it seems like they're in a great place. Google, when Sundar Pichai, the CEO of Google, announced the layoffs, he kind of mentioned multiple things. One, yeah, the vague incoming recession that they need to protect for. But two, talked around it a little bit, but basically focusing more on AI was and OpenAI and ChatGPT was kind of the unspoken, but very much kind of talked around. And then there was leaks about him calling in the old bosses. Larry Page and Sergey Brin to come in and, and help them war game out their response to the AI stuff that's going on. But it kind of speaks to the point that, yes, they're all taking a kind of going backwards and cutting back. And to be clear, as was sort of alluded to in the early parts of this episode, they're taking a, uh, a cut but for many of them, their staffing levels are still so much higher than they were pre-COVID. Yeah. So yeah. these are, you know, it's the difference between being a company that's like 1.8 times as big as its before COVID thing going down to be like a 1.5 times as big. Yeah, so they're we're still back to like 2020 levels. So like, basically, yeah, 2020, late 2019 levels, whatever. But there's also a huge amount of stuff bubbling in the background, all the AI investments. Microsoft's slashing all the staff, but they're also investing heaps into open AI. It's it's not quite as clear cut in terms of what's happening. But again, I kind of see this AI stuff, especially from the Google perspective, as Google have known about open AI for years. As we've discussed, ChatGPT is the public-facing interface of GPT-3, which has been around for a, a couple of years. I mean, it's tweaked. It's not it's not raw, GPT-3. The point being, Google are well across that. Google have a bunch of their own AI things that some people are like, oh, it's even better. I mean, I, I have no idea if it's better or worse, but I've mucked around with some of their APIs. Much more annoying to integrate, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. They've got their own AI stuff, but it's once again, it's really like public pressure and investor pressure because it took for chat GPT to happen for the public and therefore like the investors and the very, very smart VCs to be like, whoa, this AI thing is really transformational. So that Google are now saying basically like part of them cutting headcount is to refocus on AI, something that they've been deeply in and nothing has fundamentally really changed in the last couple of years. Other than the image stuff, I feel like that's probably come a long way in the last two years. But from a Google perspective, they're way across all of this. Like when ChatGPT came out, Google weren't like, whoa, I'm so surprised, like we're way behind. They knew what was going on. But again, that pressure from investors is like, you need to focus on this. This is a huge challenge for you. This is a systemic issue and you need to look like you're doing something about it, as well as you need to be cutting staff because everyone else is cutting staff. I think the actual like main active investors asked for 15% headcount reduction. They did 7%, so they didn't even go that far. But it's purely kind of public pressure. And I would have liked, and probably worth noting, Apple as yet, haven't announced any staff reduction. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was actually, it was a funny thing where someone was like, because the board and like the shareholders were, or voted and like basically pressured Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, to take like a cut in his remuneration yeah. for next year. So he's down to like getting $50 million a year or whatever. Yeah. Boo-hoo. That's unfortunate. Yeah. And I saw these people tweeting like, see, this is how you do it, folks. This is how you do it. The CEO is responsible for the company. And rather than sacking people, he's taken a $30 million pay cut. I was like, I don't think this is in any way representative of what happened. But you're right that Apple haven't announced any any cuts as yet. They may well. They may may do. Obviously, keeping in mind that Apple are like 
one of the most profitable companies in the world. Yes. And like, I think probably the world's best business. Yes. I, I think, you I think it's pretty much it. undeniable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So maybe they won't do it. And I'm sure just like Apple does with privacy stuff and whatever, if they manage to come out the other side as the only company that didn't lay people off, mm. Tim Cook would be out, out in the press being like, well, you know, some of our competitors may have fallen on their swords and overhired, but we... We're doing well. Yeah. Well, that's why I would have liked to see some of these businesses actually stand up to the activist investors and also like take a stand and be like, like we're confident in our strategy. We're confident in our business moving forward. We see other people make redundancies. We're not going to cut staff. I do understand that it's also a perfect opportunity, to be honest, for businesses and CEOs in particular to make the restructures that they probably wanted to do anyway and cut off some of the scrap that they weren't that into in the first place. And it's an excuse to make some big changes. But like Jeff Bezos and Amazon famously were like, we don't care about profit. We're just going for growth over the last 20 years. But Andy Jassy and like Amazon have just really quickly pivoted to we're a mature business and we are focused on profit now and kind of thrown out that really aggressive, in some ways it was like core to Amazon's philosophy and has allowed them to grow as big as they have. I mean, like have some chutzpah, you know, like, and just say- Grow up here. But A, I guess pressure from investors when your share price is going backwards and B, good opportunity means that they just do otherwise. And they got these- scheming McKinsey consultants in their ear, yeah. whispering poison about, <laughs> about what they should do and how they should do it. Yeah. I and mean, what do we do about it? Should we cut staff here? Yeah, I'm actually thinking of a 50% reduction. Okay. Um, I assume that's the guy who tweets, right? Uh, we'll talk about it after the episode, I think. <laughs> <laughs>